Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Serial Killers Cafe. I'm your host Stephanie here with my co-host Ariel. Hi guys. Happy, Happy Friday. Friday. I feel like it takes so long to get to Friday and then you're already back in Monday so fast. It's very sad. Yeah, whoever decided on two-day weekends should be killed. Oh, it's awful. Like, please. <laughs> um, and honestly, if I worked three days a week, I'd get way more done in three days than I do in five. I'm just throwing that out there. I, I really strongly believe that. Like, It's a fact. Just I like know, if right, I, especially because I know that there's a, like, a time, a very specific timeline. Errol and I have even talked about, like, eight-hour workdays are ridiculous. Like, we, we get more done in four hours than we get done in eight. Because, like, in eight hours, you're, like, taking breaks and walking around and, like, having your lunch and having your snack. If I worked four straight hours, I'd get a shit ton of stuff done. Yep. Just a fact. So, anyway, welcome to episode 29, guys. Um, today, I am drinking uh, Stash Tea. Is It's, like, a you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at, like, your local grocery store. Um, they were my go-to long before I found David's Tea. And they have this really good pomegranate raspberry um, tea. So, I'm drinking that today. But I made it iced. And it is frick fracking delicious stephanie loves her iced tea i do um so i'm doing some vitamin water and i'm doing the orange kind which i absolutely love and fun fact so i had never heard of this before but i was like talking to somebody how through like most of my pregnancy i've craved like citrusy things like i'm like i need a grapefruit right this second like that would just make me so happy well apparently because anyone who's had a child knows that you're exhausted through the majority of pregnancy. Um, and apparently, like, citrusy foods and drinks give you kind of that same effect of getting, like, caffeine. Really? So, yes. So your body is like, oh, yes, finally, here's a little jolt. Um, which makes total sense because all I want is, like, orange juice. Some jolts. <laughs> yeah. All you want is a few jolts throughout your day. Creating life is exhausting, so... Yeah, been there. Anyway, today, guys, we are covering Jake Bird, also known as the Tacoma Axe Killer. Uh, Probably one of our serial killers who actually has a nickname in a while. Um, Most of them haven't, um, but he was very much well-known as the Tacoma Axe Killer. Um, His, because of this uh, nickname, it was because his murder method was beating people with an axe. That was, That's his, lovely. that was his primary method. Um, he actually murdered people for a good 17-year time span, from 1930 to 1947, and it took um, place over a span of, like, many different states. Um, he ultimately was executed by hanging in 1949. So this was the guy I was talking about um, a couple episodes ago when I said there was a guy who said he was born somewhere and didn't remember that was Jake Bird. Oh my God. He literally was born in Louisiana in a place he says he can't remember and left home at 19. There is not like a shred of evidence that this guy existed before the age of 19. <laughs> like anywhere. That's I googled like so, so many places and there's like nothing about his parents, nothing about his childhood, like literally nothing at all. It's in, it, it's just nowhere. I googled, I opened like 15 links. Nothing. So pretty wild um so over the years though he actually never stayed in one place for very long um he was a trade worker um he actually found employment like with a railroad did like labor on the railroad different sections so that gave him a good way to earn money but also to move from town to town so he never really had to stay in one place um and it gave him the opportunity to stock and murder women in the towns he visited 
um, because he was constantly moving with the railroad all the time. So uh, I'm going to jump in. There's not an insane amount of information about him, but I have some really cool fun facts I'm excited to get to at the end of this. Love fun facts. So Bird was interrogated by Detective Lieutenant Sherman W. Lyons at the Tacoma City Jail, where he actually dictated and signed a confession in the presence of four police officers. His confession stated that he entered the Clut Clud residence through an unlocked back door to commit an easy burglary, quote unquote. He brought along an axe that he found in a nearby shed, and he said it was just to, like, bluff anyone who tried to bother him. Uh, he removed his shoes. He snuck into Bertha Clud's bedroom and stole $1.50 from her purse. When he returned to the kitchen, he turned and found Bertha standing right behind him. He told her that he only wanted money and his shoes, and then he would leave. But then he suddenly grabbed Beverly from behind, um... And, like, a fierce struggle and shoot. And actually killed both women. So, he now killed Bertha Please. and Beverly for $1.50. Which I know then was a, was a lot more money than it is now. Um, he actually thought the policeman would shoot him when they had him cornered in the bushes. So, he attacked them with his knife. He, like, casual. Oh, wait. Can we talk about why he took his shoes off? Maybe to be quiet. Polite? I'm, no, I don't <laughs> I think you're trying to be quiet while breaking into someone's house. And shoes are clunkier than your socks. I guess. That's so weird. So, yeah, like, we're already at legal proceedings, guys. There wasn't, There's not a ton about him, but he's super interesting. So, on Friday, October 31st of 1947, prosecutor, deputy prosecutor, Earl Mann, charged him with first-degree murder, but only in the death of Bertha, uh, not in the death of Beverly. It was customary to file, at this time, it was customary to file only one charge in multiple homicides because failure to obtain a conviction on the first offense would allow you to file again. So instead of charging him for two murders, they would charge him for one, see what happened, and then if he didn't get convicted, then they would go and charge him for the other one. So it was almost like, right. like a fallback plan. Yeah, I so he, So that. he'd get charged for something. So um, Judge Edward Hodge appointed... Uh, a former Pierce County prosecutor, James Selden, is his defense counsel. And at his arraignment, he actually pleaded not guilty. <laughs> he was like, I'm obviously not guilty, even though there's insane amounts of evidence against me. All right. The trial was set for Monday, November 24th of 1947. So there was a motion hearing on November 14th in 1957 that requested a change of venue. I feel like these dates are very weird. Um, oh, so he had a trial that was set. Um, I'm guessing nothing happened with that trial. Then there, oh, I'm thinking their date's wrong. Sorry, guys. So then there was a motion hearing. He requested a change of venue, and he said that he couldn't get a fair trial in that area. So actually, this is super interesting only because I had spoken about the Boston bomber earlier, and he is actually has act in December of last year, so in 2019, he appealed his death penalty sentence saying that it wasn't fair that he was tried in Boston because obviously everyone in Boston would automatically want him dead because he bombed Boston. So he's actually well, using... Well, don't bomb the city and we won't feel that way, asshole. But he's saying like, well, if I was in another state, I might have gotten more of a fair trial versus getting <laughs> okay. everyone in Boston. No, I know you don't care. I'm just telling you like that. It's like this is, this is something people are still using as a defense now to try and like All get right. an appeal. So, yeah, so basically the guy was like, okay, I don't want to be this guy's attorney. He's, like, real extra. 
And Bird's like, cool, I'll represent myself. I'm like super awesome. And the judge was like, both of you can suck it. That's not happening. And denied and denied <laughs> these things. So the trial began on schedule. And um, there was like a really slow jury selection process, which jury selection, I don't know if any of you have ever gotten called for jury duty. I religiously get called every three years. And then I never, ever get chosen. I sit there for like three days. You make like $15 a day which like obviously would cover all my life expenses if I was at my actual job. And then I never get chosen. Like, just give me once. But also like I, you, obviously you guys know that Ariel and I are very passionate about our thoughts. So like, it's not obvious, it's not obvious why I was not chosen <laughs> at all. Um, but I, I'm one of those people, like some people are like, oh my God, I'm like 80 and I've never gotten called. And I'm like every three years, like clockwork, I get called for jury duty. <laughs> It's really? I've only been called once, but I did get picked to be on the jury. Oh, jealous. And what? I'm jealous. I would love to like. No. Serve on the jury. Okay, because listen to what it was. So it was assault with a dangerous weapon. Ask me what the dangerous weapon was. Okay, what was the Bacon dangerous weapon? Bacon grease. Bacon grease? Bacon grease. First of all, I would be fascinated if this is a trial I got chosen for because I didn't know they actually chose jury selection for trials like that. So Yeah, because it was called the dangerous weapon because this big, fat, white guy came into court and took his shirt off to show us the red marks from the bacon grease because this guy threw a pan of bacon grease at him. Wow. I mean, I and guess like, you could get severely burned. He shows up to court in a wife beater and khaki shorts that, in case you're wondering, did not cover his butt crack. And I'm just sitting there like, is this even real life right now? Like, what is fucking happening? That's kind of wild because I thought that, like, all of them would be, like, really good. Like, like I, I just feel like I thought jury selection was for, like, certain things, not, like, things like, yeah. oh, this guy threw bacon grease at this guy. So we need an entire jury to tell us if, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. We should definitely, when we do our bonus episode, we should look into like jury selection and like the point of it and why it started and all that too. Because I feel like yeah. like those little tidbits are super interesting. Well, it was it sucked though because like yeah, the guy was guilty because he went hundred percent through the pan of bakeries. But I was like, this guy's gonna go to prison right now because he did this. Like, well, you're not supposed to throw like, you're not supposed to throw bacon grease at people, Ariel. I know, but they had gotten to an argument, and now this guy is going to go to prison for something that stupid. Like I just can't. I, can't. I feel like There's that's. I feel like that's how a lot of people get put in jail in the first place, though. They get in a fight yeah. with someone, they do something dumb, probably first offense not warranted, and whoever, you know, they and then they end up going to jail, like just because they like didn't keep their cool. I mean, think of think of all of the serial killers we cover. Most of them went to jail for something dumb originally. Yeah, that's true. So it's it's sadly very common. I think it's why most people get in jail in the first place. Yeah, probably. So the trial began, like we said, trial began on schedule. There was a really slow jury selection because the prospective jurors revolved around the impressions of the crime gained from the news and whether 
like Jake Bird, who was a black man, could even get a fair trial. So it was like significantly slowed. This is in the 40s, too. You got to remember that. So this was significantly slowed down because the jury had, like, think about it like this. Okay, so when O.J. Simpson trial happened, those jurors were selected. They weren't allowed to, like, go outside, watch the news. And that lasted for, like, months and months where they were all, like, holding this hotel room. These people, you can't control what you see before you get chosen. So, like, if it was already out in the news, it's not like you watched it after you got on the jury. Like, you would have already seen it if they had been talking about this guy. So it's hard for you, which I'm glad they said, though, that, like, most people were worried he wouldn't get a fair trial as a black man. Because most people, you know, you wouldn't, especially in that time, like, I was impressed to see that, like, people were concerned about that. So, four jurors... hard not to be biased. Right. Well, that's how I feel about any jury ever like it's hard not to be biased about something in your life because that's just who we are as humans like you know what I mean like we have preferences we have biases like based on our personal experiences our lives people we know like that's just what it is so four jurors were excused when it was learned that they had actually recently served on another first degree murder trial in which the defense in which the defendant was actually convicted and sentenced to hang so like literally had just been on another murder trial which Again, this is why we have to check into jury selection, too. Like, how often were you chosen then? Because, like, now it's, like, every three years you can't get chosen. But if they, yeah. they were, like, just on another trial. So by the end of the day, a jury of nine women, nine men and three women were selected. And the court basically recessed until the next morning. Right. And there's also a lot less people to choose from back then. Yes. And I feel like I can almost guarantee, and this is just me, sort of guessing, informed guessing, is that it wasn't anybody that was eligible to be on jury. You probably were white. You probably had some sort of standing in the community. Like, they weren't just letting, like, random poor people. Well, to- but then I also feel like you'd have to find some people of color to give this man a fair trial. You couldn't make everyone white because then, like... Th- yeah, I that feel was like- probably the issue. In the 40s, they didn't give a shit. yeah. Like, I don't know. It's hard because, like, these are the types of things we'd want to know, but there's, like, obviously no information about that whatsoever. And even though they tell you about jury selection, they didn't tell you, like, oh, well, it was nine men, four were white. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't tell you any of that. But it's just, it's, you can tell they, you can tell based on everything I'd read and researched that they did want to at least try and give him a fair trial, even if, like, they couldn't find enough, you know, people of color to do such. They were trying. Even though he yeah. was guilty. Still. So, the trial was went, like, really quick and actually concluded in one, a ha- one and a half days. Like, the entire trial, everything, done. Not even 48 hours. Um, the prosecuting attorney just had to prove the death of Bertha was premeditated, and that basically qualified um, Jake for getting the death penalty. Uh, so, he, like, showed up at the house, obviously, with an axe. So, they were like, obviously, he planned on doing something with said axe. <laughs> like, you don't go in and rob someone with a freaking axe unless you're going to use the axe or something. So, basically, they were able to use the fact that he, like, brought an axe with him and had a knife in his pocket that he was obviously, like, going to seek some sort of violence. If like, I also love that no one, like, on the streets questioned why he was just walking around with a big old axe. <laughs> eh, you never what? know. So, um, the trial evidence basically was, so the trial evidence went through Beverly, as we also know, this, the testimony is really about Bertha, Beverly, who was also bludgeoned to death in the kitchen when she tried to like save her mom, 
The blood and the brain tissue from both of them were found on Bird's clothing. His bloody fingerprints were in the house and on the axe, and his shoes were found at the murder scene. So, like, this was, like... He definitely, like, tried to cover this up. Like, I appreciate that they wanted to give him a fair trial, but the evidence was insanely... Like, there could not have been more evidence, like, concrete evidence against this man (laughs) that he committed these crimes. Especially because he basically got caught almost immediately. It's not like he was gone for... Which is crazy to me because his like crimes like he has so many victims and these are the only ones we hear about like they said he could have had up to at least 44 victims and the only two i could find any information on was bertha and beverly which is kind of insane to me but so like i said the trial was concluded super fast the state actually introduced a surprise witness which was a police officer um who testified that he and another officer gave bird a beating while he was in custody i don't know how this would help anyone like i don't know how this helps you uh, he talks about it a little more, so I help. I mean, sort of helps, but yeah. So, so the officer, his name it. was John. He said, "I regret to say that I lost my temper after returning from the Clud home and viewing the terrible hacked bodies of the two women. I had asked Bird as we sat in the patrol wagon why he murdered the two women, and he said he didn't do it. I asked him who did it then, and he said it was Leroy. And he said, "Who's Leroy?" I asked him, oh, another Negro in t- around town, Bird replied. You're lying, I replied, and he looked at me with a smug and innocent look. I know sh- I shouldn't have done it, but I hit him in the jaw with my fist, knocking him to the front of the patrol wagon. Then I struck him a number of times with my nightstick until he said, don't kill me. That brought me to my, sen- my senses, and we took him to the hospital where a nurse said he was badly hurt. He wasn't, oh, wasn't badly hurt. hurt. Ooh, sorry. Um, I do also appreciate, though, that at least he was honest about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, So the prosecutor basically moved and entered Bird's signed confession, which eventually came into evidence after, you know, they were like, you cannot get out of this. Please stop trying. Right. Um, And declared that, like, they were like, oh, it was declared under duress. Like, you can't use his confession. It's inadmissible because he was beaten and all that. Right. The judge disagreed that there was no relationship between the beating and his voluntary confession and led it into evidence, which is ultimately obviously what gave him his conviction. Right. So, um, closing arguments went on. Like I said, literally everything was a day and a half. The jury literally deliberated for 35 minutes and we came back and were like, okay, you're guilty on first degree murder. And they actually voted to impose the death penalty. So he had been um, pretty, like, impassive throughout the trial. Like, he didn't say anything. He didn't really have any facial reactions. Like, he kind of just sat there. Um, And then on his way back to the jail, Bird, five deputy sheriffs were guarding him. And he literally was like, oh, what's all the excitement about? That's literally what he asked. And I have a quote down down here. Hold on. Um, And it said... Um, oh darn, I don't know where the quote is. It's something like, so he says, what's all the excitement about? Or like something like that. And the lady's like, it's you. It's about you. Like, <laughs> you asshole. So on Saturday, so December 6th of 1947, Judge Hodge sentenced Bird to be hanged at the, on the gallows at the Washington State Penitentiary on January 16th of 1948. After a motion for a new trial was denied, the court told the defense attorney had told the court that he had done everything in his power to defend bird and that no further appeals would be made. Like it just like, basically he was like, sorry, dude, I tried. You're guilty. This is where you're at. You're getting the death penalty. Right. And 
uh, the defense attorney literally said, I feel whenever any man 45 years old gets an idea that no lives are safe to anyone except his own, that man is a detriment to society and should be obliterated. Amen, brother. So when Judge Hodge asked Bird for a comment, he said, I was given no chance to defend myself. My own lawyers just asked you to hang me. They apologized for defending me. If they were so reluctant to defend me, why did they contest the prosecutor's proof of murder and now saying that everything is proven? He basically gave a 20-minute speech and said, all you guys who had anything to do with this case are going to die before I do. So mind you, he's in prison. He's not going anywhere. And within within a year, five of the men connected to his trial died. It became Stop known. It. it became known as the Jake Bird hex. So this is I'm gonna. Re- I have a little section here. So the five men connected with Bird's trial who died within a year of the Jake Bird hex. Edward Hodge, the judge, died at age 69 before he was hung. Um, Joseph Karpak, who was like the uh, Pierce County under sheriff, age 46, died. Um, George Harrington, the court reporter, died. Sherman Lyons. Wait, how though? Does it say how they died? Um, like from heart attacks, all of them. So it's like natural causes. But like all of them died in the same year of a heart attack from That's from his trial. That's voodoo type shit yep. right there. So Sherman Lyons, who was the Tacoma police detective lieutenant, and then James Sheldon, who was his defense attorney, all died in wow. in 1948. In the same year that he was hung, they all died, and. Oh my God. Um, it says all of the men died from heart attacks. A sixth man who was actually a Washington state penitentiary guard assigned to death row where he was died of pneumonia two months before his execution. So pretty much everyone around him who like wronged him in some way or got him to that point died. So that's why they called it the Jake bird hex, which was crazy. So all of these people died, like I said, in 1948 and he was hung in July of 1949. So when he said, you're all going to die before me, they did. They all died. How crazy is that? That is so cool. Yeah, so this is information about the hanging, and then I'll jump into fun facts. So on Thursday night of July 14th, 1949, Jake Bird ate his last meal on death row and then talked with his attorney for two hours. Bird told his his attorney he could be a good loser as long as he felt everything possible had done to save his life. Later that night, he was moved to a holding cell. He was shaved, dressed in new clothes. And then just after midnight, he was accompanied by the warden and two prison guards. Said nothing. There was 125 people who showed up to his hanging. Um, so a volunteer prison chaplain obviously went in and, like, you know, said, read, oh, he read a note from Bird declaring that he bore no malice toward anyone, wanted forgiveness, like, no hard feelings. But before he finished, he was already dead. he was already hung. Like before the guy finished reading the letter, he was hung at twelve twenty a.m. on July fifteenth of nineteen forty nine. His body was taken down fourteen minutes later, and the prison physician pronounced him dead. Kind of crazy that they give you all this information. He was buried in yeah. an unmarked grave in the prison cemetery, identified only as convict number two one five two zero. He willed his personal fortune, six dollars and fifteen cents, to his appeals attorney, Murray Taggart. So this was the guy who basically he chose after the other guy was like, nah, he sucks. I'm sorry I have represented him. Please murder him. <laughs> So although he wasn't formally educated, he gained a lot of fame as a jailhouse lawyer, often arguing his own case before the court. His knowledge of the law, together with the people with the help of the people against the death penalty, enabled him to delay his execution a year and a half. So because he was able to delay his execution a year and a half, all of those people died before him, even though he was supposed to die before any of them. 
So his um, case failed to capture the attention of the national press, even though he confessed to committing or being involved in at least 44 murders throughout the country. But history does mark him as one of the most prolific serial killers there is. Yeah. So um, these are like fun facts, which most of them I've already told you, but we'll go over them again anyway. Crazy trial started and ended in one and a half days. That's so wild because it's such a short amount of time. He confessed that he either committed or participated, which I'm very intrigued by the participated part of this, in at least 44 murders. Because, like, who do you participate with? Right. Um, but he was only charged with yeah, 11 of them. I know. Uh, numerous investigators from across the nation came to interview him while he was on death row. Um, like I told you, the speech that he did lasted for 20 minutes, which became known as the Jake Bird Hex, and all those men died. Basically, within a year, six men, five men died of heart attacks, and then the sixth man died of pneumonia, the guy on death row. But basically, those five guys who, like, convicted him were in the court and everything died, which is, like, when I read this, I was like, this is freaking wild, because it was crazy. Like, literally, they were like, okay, so we're, we should have never talked to this guy, because now we're all going to (laughs) die. And obviously, he didn't do anything. They all died of heart attacks. But to all die the same way in the same year after someone threatens you, that is some, like Ariel said, that is some serious shit right there. Voodoo shit, yeah. So, yeah, guys, that is Jake Bird. I was, a.k.a. the Tacoma Axe Killer. Like I said, I was so intrigued by the Jake Bird Hex. Um, There's so much information out there about him. So, uh, I will definitely post more on our Facebooks and Instagram and stuff. Um, But you could easily Google Jake Bird Hex and you'd get so much information. Um, So that's all we have for today, folks. Our good friend Jakey Bird over here. So, as usual, my disclaimer at the end of every episode, please like us, rate us, comment. Uh, Any questions, concerns, comments, send our way. Suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Follow us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we hope you have a great rest of your Friday and weekend. Yeah, see you guys next week. See you next week.